0: Welcome back to the Price Law Podcast. We are more than honored once again to have Dr. Cameron Sapa back on the show, episode 122, as a brief... um recap we first introduced him on episode 62 that's when you get the whole background and then we brought him on to talk about what was formerly known as the lover protocol at the maximus tribe on episode 70 it has been there's a lot of stuff to catch up on here but it has been updated and we are changing and he has changed it to the blood flow protocol and and dr cam thanks for having us on or thanks for coming on we are going to be talking about prescription pre-workout here and i couldn't be more excited about this so how's it going
1: It is going excellent. I'm so glad to rejoin you guys and and talk about the world's first prescription pre workout.
0: Now, is that even is that even like a legal thing? Like, can you is is having a bad pre workout something you could diagnose as a as a disease or something (laughs) like that?
1: I I think if you talk to the gym bros, they'll they'll certainly tell you about bad uh bad workouts. (laughs) But uh, certainly, we know the scientific from the scientific literature that they can be enhanced. And um, you know, the bodybuilding community actually for years has kind of used. PDE five inhibitors, um, which uh, you know most people are familiar with, uh, Viagra or Cialis or Levitra, um, off label um, for uh, the use of enhancing their workouts. Um, but now, you know, we figured instead of doing it underground, you know, we have licensed, board certified physicians that are prescribing essentially these class of drugs for the enhancement of workouts, sexual function, and cognitive function. And I'm happy to talk more about that today.
0: Okay, so you're kind of making a shift here because before we – there was another ingredient, PT-141, I believe, that helped possibly enhance libido. But we're really – at this point, it seems like you're making a shift towards like full-on
1: blood flow and performance here, right? Absolutely. It's a great point. Um, So the original kind of version one of this formula was a combination of low-dose tadalafil or Cialis with PT-141 or Bremelanotide. Bremelanotide is a peptide, um, which are obviously popular these days that is typically used for libido enhancement, but it does have a synergistic effect with Tadalafil and enhances the effect of Tadalafil. So we were combining that in a sublingual formulation to enhance blood flow. Um, We did find that it was effective, but we as a company are constantly investing in R&D. And we actually tested three, four different compounds and found um, of our existing patient base, client base, that they like this latest formulation better. And so obviously if it's improved, people are more satisfied. They're getting better results in the gym. Um, We reformulated it with Tadalafil and a PDU-5 that most people are actually not familiar with called Vardenafil. The brand name of that is Levitra or Staxin in the sublingual formulation. And those two have an, an even greater synergistic capability and enhance... Blood flow even more. And so we rebranded it as the blood flow prot- protocol as you worked out. And it's really ge- geared towards people who want to maximize their performance or exercise performance in the gym.
0: Okay. So I'm looking at your page right now. The blood flow protocol is you have one dose a day, 30 doses, oral or sublingual. Is this one sublingual tablet, or do you take two? And what is is the time? Okay.
1: So this is a custom compounded medication, meaning both drugs are actually combined in a sublingual tablet. So sublingual means under the tongue. And the reason for this is twofold. So the first is, um, look, when Bardenafil originally came out on the market, it was under the brand name Levitra and it was an oral medication. So you'd have to take it about an hour before having sex in order to get the maximal effects, um, but they found that when you take it sublingually it, it hits faster which is obviously a lot more convenient when maybe you don't know when you're going to be engaging in a bedroom exercise as it as it were so vardenafil interesting has a unique benefit it has the fastest uh, what's called t max meaning the peak plasma concentrations of it are 0.6 hours or about 36 minutes contrast that to Tadalafil or cialis it takes about two hours for it to hit peak levels And so when you administer it sublingually, it basically hits as fast as possible. So we generally find um, with our clients who use this, you can take this about 15 15 minutes and start to feel the effects, which is very fast. Um, And generally, it'll start peaking at around 30 minutes. If you want to be super safe, you can take it about an hour before going to the gym. But the nice thing about it is it hits so fast that you can generally keep it in your backpack, your gym bag, and uh, essentially, on the way to the gym is kind of the the thing that I do personally. Um, you just pop it under your tongue; it absorbs through um, the oral mucosa, and it bypasses liver first pass metabolism, and it it starts uh, uh, producing the enhancing effects.
0: Okay, I'd like to get into the mechanism a little bit more and like talk about the liver a touch. But um, so with the timing of this, then like thirty six or so minutes before it peaks, you. Does this like does this if, if you miss the timing, can it like affect your warmups a little bit? Like it seems like you almost need to stretch into it or something like that. And you I would think I'd want it to peak as I'm like hitting the middle of my workout when I'm like kind of stretched well, out a little bit more. Uh
1: th- that's when it peaks, but the effects will continue to persist. So for Vardenafil, um the half-life is about four to six hours. For Tadalafil, the half-life is 17 and a half, up to about 24 hours. So it's an interesting combination, and we also selected it for this reason. Bardenafil is basically a short-acting PDE5 inhibitor, four to six hours, and Tadalafil is a long-acting PDE5 inhibitor that basically lasts all day. That's why the benefit of Tadalafil, if you're using it for sexual function, is you don't have to time it. You just pop a pill every day, and whenever you and the missus are ready, uh, you're basically ready to go. With Vardenafil and Sildenafil or Viagra, you do have to time it a little bit because the half-life is four four to six hours or four hours for Viagra respectively. But when you combine it, you kind of get the best of both worlds. You get Mm -hmm. the potency of Vardenafil. Vardenafil, by the way, is the most potent PDE5 inhibitor on the market. Its selectivity for the PDE5 enzyme is 10 times stronger than Viagra or Sildenafil. Um, so it basically means you need to take a much lower dose. So as opposed to maybe one hundred uh, milligrams of um, you know, uh, Viagra, which is very high dose. um, you can take uh, single digit dosages of rodedennophyll. Two and a half five milligrams of rodedennophyll is plenty potent for most people to have the effects. And so that's the beauty of it is you can time it, obviously as a pre-workout. But let's say your schedule changed, something happens at work, you miss your morning workout, you need to go in the afternoon. The Tadalafil will still be working. You'll still get the majority of the benefits. Or let's say you take it as a pre-workout in the morning, enhances your workout. But you want to have fun time with the misses in the evening. The Tadalafil is still working, and so you still get the all-day benefit. So it offers a lot more flexibility. Um, you know, you don't want to be like neurotically like having to time medications all the time. Um, but this is both sort of a pre-workout
2: and an all-day enhancer, all in one. One of my favorite things about. Uh taking uh tadalafil was the long stretch. Um yep. I, I don't have experience with vardenafil but just in terms okay. of using a tadalafil I used it for for blood pressure um and also I think there's also a claim with uh prostate health as well. But I, I used it just kind of like a, a 2.5 milligrams daily just as a general health aid yep. and uh I loved that uh no matter what type of blood flow it is that we're talking about it was I didn't have to time it really. Um yep. so I I could see this being really nice because if you want a nice pump from your workout, you could take it pre-workout. But if you didn't, like you would still have great effects from this if you were just using it throughout the day. Absolutely.
1: And uh, you, you brought up a couple of benefits that I, that I think are really important, which is also the, the overall health benefits. But first let's talk about the specific science when it comes to enhancing exercise performance, because this is what people care about. So obviously people love pre-workouts um, and sort of muscle pump enhancers. Um, uh, uh, though a lot of people basically associate pre-workouts with um, stimulants, right? Caffeine obviously being the most ubiquitous and commonly used pre-workout. Now the interesting thing about caffeine though is it's actually a vasoconstrictor in a lot of ways um, versus PDE5 inhibitors are vasodilators, right? They, they increase the width of the blood vessels and increase blood flow and oxygen to uh, the muscles, um, now, this is a common question people ask. Well, if you're, if I'm taking an ED drug, am I going to get random boner, boners at the gym? And the answer is no. Um, you need sexual stimuli in order to get an erection. So just because you're enhancing blood flow doesn't mean you're going to get inappropriate erections. Um, unless you're totally ogling at some hot chick at the gym, you're probably going to be okay. So,
0: that <laughs> and you're wearing really sweatpants.
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't know with all the gym fits these days. Uh, may, maybe you're wrong, <laughs> but that's on you. You got to divert the eyes, as uh, Joey Swola you know, has makes all these videos about. Um, okay, but so what's the literature on this? There's been a lot of studies that show it's not only enhancing obviously blood flow to the genital region but it actually enhances blood flow everywhere, including to skeletal muscles. And so um, people hear the term PDE5, but there's actually numerous um, enzymes in this family that go from PDE1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, up to 11. And they all have slightly different functions. PDE5 does enhance, obviously, blood flow to the genital region, but it enhances blood flow everywhere. And PDE11 actually... uh, has kind of more generalized effects. PDE-11 particularly enhances blood flow to skeletal muscle. So, Tadalafil is unique from Vardenafil and Sildenafil and the other PDE-5 inhibitors. It has greater selectivity for PDE-11. And so, if you're specifically trying to enhance blood flow to your muscles, which is obviously what we're trying to work out and enhance muscular hypertrophy, Tadalafil is a particularly good choice for that. Okay.
0: Keep
1: going. Now, PDE-5 inhibitors, there's a lot of research on it for the enhancement of exercise performance. There was a study that was done um, in adult males who were exercising that gave them a low dose of sildenafil or Viagra, about 20 milligrams. And they found some very interesting effects in that one, they found that it increases the ability to do more reps when you're doing a set. So basically, they were arguing it delays muscular fatigue and enhances muscular endurance. So obviously, you know, we're trying to maximize the amount of lifts that we're doing. And so if you're going for a PR in terms of the number of reps, um, it specifically PDE5 inhibitors have that enhancing effect. And that's every, I think, you know, guy's dream or Jimbo's dream is you want to be able to increase your performance, and it clearly has a performance-enhancing effect. The second thing that was very interesting that was out of that study is that it shows that it increases muscle protein synthesis. Which is one of the foundational mechanisms for growing your muscles. In fact, it increased muscle protein synthesis. I believe that doubled it, which is on par, with, with what you'd see from the study. Author said 100 to 200 milligrams of injectable testosterone, which is a pretty remarkable finding. That instead of having to inject, you know, 100 200 milligrams of testosterone which is a pretty um, standard to even high dose of testosterone, it was having as much of an effect on muscle protein synthesis as injectable testosterone. And so um, why do we not use sildenafil, which is what was originally used in the study? The reason is, as I mentioned, vardenafil is about 10 times more potent, so you can use a much lower dose. And it generally has less side effects, we found, than sildenafil. A lot of people have experienced, obviously, recreationally taking Viagra, in that it's very common to get headaches from Viagra. Um, sometimes people um, get kind of back pain. There's other sort of side effects. Because of the selectivity of Vardenafil, it uh, inhibits pde 5 as I mentioned, more than any other drug basically that we know. You get the best sort of cost-benefit ratio of, you get the um, exercise enhancement while reducing the amount of side effects because of the very, very low dose. And that's why we chose Vardenafil. And we chose tadalafil because of the inhibition of the pde 11 that it really focuses on the skeletal muscle tissue.
0: Okay, awesome. So um, this might be, a, I guess this is a general question we could just ask about any like nitric oxide type ingredient or whatever. But if you're getting more blood flow to the muscle, are you getting less blood flow to other areas? Does, you know, does that make yeah, any sense at all?
1: It's a, great, it's a great question. It's not mutually exclusive. So the interesting thing that Ben alluded to is there are other health benefits to it. Um, In fact, there was a randomized control trial that shows that it increases cerebral blood flow or blood flow to the brain as well. So I actually think one of the most promising things about this class of medications is there's um, associational data. Now, we have to caveat it because it's not randomized, showing that basically people who take PDE5 inhibitors have a lower risk of Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, And it may be because it's enhancing that blood flow to the brain. Now, I think more research needs to be done in order to substantiate that, but what we do know, there was a randomized control trial giving this and looking at how does this affect cognitive performance in the here and now. And they actually found on basically all measures of cognitive performance, including memory, attention, and processing speed, it actually enhances cognitive function. And so this is also a very interesting thing because caffeine obviously is not only used as a pre-workout. It's the most used drug in the world for cognitive enhancement. Everyone takes it in the morning in order to focus at work. But again, as I mentioned, caffeine can be a vasoconstrictor. It's a dose-dependent and tolerance-dependent effect. But when you take a PD-5 inhibitor, you're enhancing blood flow to the brain. And so I would argue caffeine is really good when you need to pound out boring work and you just need energy um, and it allows you to obviously focus more at work and at the gym. Um, but it's not my favorite choice because obviously it can be very stimulatory. It increases stress, anxiety, and it, it shifts you into a sympathetic dominant or a fight or flight mode response. Right. Um, I actually, I think in the last podcast, I made this anecdote. If you listen to the great bodybuilders, like the Dorian Yates of the world, they actually are, are very almost like genetically blessed in that they're very good at working out very hard, obviously promoting high intensity training was Dorian Yates' style, but they're very good at shifting to a parasympathetic state, the rest and digest state when they're not working out. Notoriously these guys would work out really hard, take like a 2-hour nap in the afternoon, rest, they sleep well. They're they're kind of calm, chill people when they're outside of the gym, which makes sense. You want to, you know, destroy your muscle fibers in the gym and then you want to rest, recover and you grow your muscle fibers when you're sleeping, right? And so when you're on caffeine all the time, you're not Letting your body shift back into that parasympathetic state that you need to recover, uh, rebuild your muscle fibers, and grow. So I actually think most people overuse caffeine, especially if they're dosing it more than once a day. I think it's fine if you're taking a little bit as a pre-workout and then letting your body recover. But everyone is so sleep-deprived. They're they're having their afternoon cup of coffee to get through the rest of the afternoon, and you're not letting your body, body relax, which is really important. As opposed to constantly pushing the red line with stimulants, uh, I think the use of PDE5 inhibitors is actually a clever strategy because it doesn't increase your heart rate, doesn't increase your blood pressure. In fact, Ben alluded to the fact that one of the benefits of PDE5 inhibitors is that it has a slight lowering effect on blood pressure, which most people are either hypertensive or prehypertensive these days. So the slight blood pressure lowering effect is generally beneficial for cardiovascular health. And in fact, that is actually another category of its benefits is not only is it helpful for brain function, as I mentioned, and cognitive function, is there's um, increasing research that's suggesting that it's cardioprotective, right? It protects the heart using these class of medications because of the blood pressure lowering effects, but it also seems to enhance endothelial function, right? The function of the blood vessels, um, instead of having them be sort of stiff, allows them to vasodilate, be a little looser. Um, And so there's increasing research that potentially for the protection of cardiac events and other things, the use of PDE5 inhibitors may be very beneficial. So the interesting thing is I would actually argue, you know, there's a lot of speculation around anti-aging sort of medications and treatments. I'm actually a huge skeptic of this, by the way, of this entire field. I I think the (laughs) longevity research is very poor You know, everyone was hyping resveratrol as the next big thing and never really panned out. But ironically, Dr. Eugene Shippen, who's one of our advisors and has been practicing medicine for 50 plus years, argues that basically how guys used to take baby aspirin as sort of almost like a cardioprotective, like everyone should be taking a low dose of baby aspirin. He argues that PD5 inhibitors are the next baby aspirin. Mm. And that basically all guys, regardless of whether you have ED, I don't have ED, but I take uh, our, our, our protocol, um, because I think the, uh, cardiac and brain and workout enhancement effects, not to mention, obviously the sexual benefits are great as well. Even if you don't have ED, it does enhance actually sexual function in terms of allows people to go longer. The enhanced blood flow tends to increase sensation. So you increase the pleasure, uh, essentially of sex. And so most guys, even if you don't have trouble getting it up, so to speak, you do find a benefit, um, obviously for that. Um, Overall, I think the class of medication is very promising, essentially, as an enhancer of, if you don't want to use the word anti-aging, but just overall quality of life health span, um, because I think the cost benefit of these um, you know, drugs is very positive. And the last one I'll mention too that um, Ben alluded to is um, this class of medications um, is also helpful for the prostate. So as men typically get older, They do tend to find difficulty urination because of BPH or essentially a benign enlargement of the prostate, which is kind of annoying as you get older because, you know, who, you know, likes getting up in the middle of the night to pee and it's hard sometimes when you don't have a consistent urinary stream. Um, Tadalafil and other PD5 inhibitors do seem to have kind of a calming effect uh, in terms of reducing the urinary um, issues that are associated with aging. And it's obviously beneficial when you're not. You don't have to get up in the middle of the night. You get better sleep. You're not. You don't. You don't get sleep interruption. And overall, it's going to benefit your health if you're able to sleep through the night.
2: Yeah. Awesome. I. I mean, I know that there's a lot of people who come to this for specifically the pre-workout purpose, but. Like I cannot also I just, I cannot understand enough like how much it improves lifestyle for a lot of people like my I have a family history of prostate issues. Mm. Um, I took a a couple of years ago and I had like a weird prostate like some people reported side effects on their prostate with that like really really painful ending urination and stuff like that. So once I found out for my family there was history like I wanted to make sure my PSA values were like sick forever. Right. I I only take like two point five milligrams, but I think that the, yep. the blood pressure drop. I switched from lisinopril over to Cialis. And I felt that just overall, I know I, I feel similar to you with, with, with like longevity drugs, but I feel like I'm in a better position just long-term health-wise. Not that I need to take Cialis, but I feel like I'm doing something good for myself. And then the pumps at the gym are like, they're great. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you bring up a good point. Um, more is not better. I always constantly
1: tell people this with medication, you know. Um, uh, there's a little too many TikTokers who are, uh, heaving, dry scooping large doses of pre-workout heroic dosages, as they say, uh, it's obviously just bad for you. You know, like the, the amount of stress that you're putting on your heart by, uh, overdosing on caffeine is just, you know, uh, idiotic. I, I'm sure it gets a lot of clicks and views, but, um, I always say, you know, the goal, if you're a responsible clinician is to provide the minimal effective dose, the med that gets you the most benefit with the least amount of side effects all medications and supplements have a risk of side effects it's just that some are obviously lower risk and it's a dose dependent effect and that the higher the dose of any medication that you take it's the higher risk of side effects so we've done enough testing to show that basically um, low dose versions of this combination are very effective so we have a low dose version which is the two and a half milligrams that you take of tadalafil combined with two and a half milligrams of vardenafil. so that combination is just five milligrams total is I think enough for most people. Essentially, that's the dose. Literally, I take. You get sick pumps at the gym. You're able to do. You also feel it, by the way, more. Yes. Like when I work out at the gym, I'm like I can work out harder and longer, um, which is just when I can just notice the difference. Essentially, when I take it, um, and then the cognitive, uh, you know, benefits, and obviously the sexual benefits you notice later on in the day. We do have a five five as well. There are some folks they're either bigger and heavier, so obviously if you weigh more, you might need a little bit more medication. Um, Or if you're just, you know, you need a little bit more of that enhancement effect, you can take the five-five. So those are the both the daily dosages. And the thing I actually want to point out, which is a little different than how most people take supplements because this is not a supplement remember this is a prescription drug is it's not just used before workouts now there's a lot of guys maybe like you and me we work out five six days a week so it's pretty much you're going to take it every day anyway there's a lot of folks though who only work out three days a week and so we get commonly asked the question should i only take it before workouts and the answer is no you actually want to take it daily and there's two reasons for this one is that if you look at the pharmacokinetic data on tadalafil there's Um, essentially a serum um, enhancement effect when you take it daily because the half-life starts to overlap with one another on a daily basis. So when you take it on a daily basis, the two and a half milligrams, which is a low dose or the five milligrams that you're taking is basically works better when you take it consistently on a daily basis because you you achieve basically a steady state in your serum levels. So when you take it daily, it's just going to basically work better on a more consistently. The second reason is one of the things that I think is really interesting and emerging is I think PDE5 inhibitors enhance recovery. And the reason that I think this is potentially true, more research needs to be done, is there hasn't been a lot of human studies, but there's been interestingly animal studies that now we can't extrapolate to humans completely, but at least it's kind of promising when they're using it actually for surgical recovery, right? So when you go through surgery... Um, There's obviously a lot of toll that's put on your body. There's a healing process that needs to happen. And when you enhance blood flow, it allows for all the new regenerative sort of molecules to get to the site that was surgically operated upon and heal. And at least the animal studies are at least promising and showing enhanced healing and recovery time. And so the idea is, yes, you want to enhance the pumps and the muscular endurance when you're working out. But even in your off days or your rest days, you want to have increased blood flow to the skeletal muscle. And why is that? Because of DOMS or delayed onset muscle soreness, right? So even after you work out, if you do a hard workout, especially hitting that leg day hard, you're going to feel sore for 24, 48 hours. There's still a process that's going on in your body in terms of the inflammation that's happening and the healing that needs to happen to repair those muscle fibers. And so when you're taking it on your off days or basically taking it every day, you're enhancing blood flow to those skeletal muscles, allowing for those regenerative um, molecules to go there and enhance the healing process. This is why, for instance, that we know that when you get a tendon or a ligament injury, um, there's poor blood flow to tendons and ligaments compared to muscles muscles you can you know tear it up when you do a sprint um and then generally in a few days you're better but when you kind of you know inflame your tendons for weeks or months you get sore shoulders just because there isn't as much blood flow to the area so anything that enhances blood flow to areas that are in need of healing or recovery is going to accelerate essentially healing or recovery time and so we always tell people Um, it's very different because they have to get out of the mindset of using it as an ED drug. With an ED drug, you're generally, especially with uh, Viagra or Levitra, you're only taking it before sex. And most people, unless they're lucky, are not having sex every day. So they're only using it PRN or as needed. But when you're using it as a workout or a cognitive enhancer, you really want to dose it daily so that you're getting both the workout effects, but also the recovery effects.
0: Wow. Okay. So uh, I got a few things to catch up on. So you had mentioned, I was I was thinking about stacking anyway. So going backwards, you had mentioned um, baby aspirin. <clears throat> is that something that's at all part of your protocol at all? Or was this something that you would not mix with this?
1: Um, it's not part of our protocol. Um, you, you can obviously take it. Um, baby aspirin has basically blood thinning effects, which is mm. why it's been commonly used for essentially the prevention of heart attacks. If you look at the meta-analysis, though, the effect... It's statistically significant because they had hundreds of thousands of men in their study, um, but the effect is tiny. It's a very, very tiny amount of risk reduction. Um, it does, interestingly, have some synergistic effects with pde five inhibitors. Um, in that, if you take it with a PD five inhibitor, it may further enhance, you know, erectile quality and function. I wouldn't say it's a necessity. I don't personally take it myself, um, but obviously, if you're having uh, acute inflammation, like you're particularly, you know, have a little bit of pain. Um, then obviously aspirin can be beneficial for that.
0: Yeah. aspirin's like my first line of defense. I, you know, ibuprofen does work better for me, but I try to stick with aspirin if I can. Baby aspirin is just like 81 milligrams or whatever. So, um, okay. So uh, while you're, you're kind of, uh, you're trash talking our pre-workouts, Dr. Cam, I know, but a lot of people listening, obviously on this podcast will be taking pre-workout. Yeah. Is it okay to stack in like pre-workouts yes. or other ingredients not to like, obviously most of them are going to have at least three grams of citrulline. Uh, you know, a lot of them likely more. Sometimes there's nitrate. Out there, I think in the past we've talked about you know studies where they had very high doses of nitrates, um, com- combining with one of these drugs and then uh, lowering b- uh, blood pressure. So, how, are a lot of your people using? At least citrulline-based pre-workouts with this.
1: So yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think citrulline and other basically like amino acids or amino acid-like compounds are pretty safe. The reality is citrulline doesn't give you very strong pumps. It like gets a very mild effect. I mean, citrulline is literally found in watermelon. If you consume a lot of watermelon, you'll get <laughs> citrulline. I, I've never heard of anyone getting like painful pumps from excessive summertime watermelon. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a pretty safe compound for the most most part, which is why it's over the counter. It's why it's in a lot of Pre workouts and like I said, it has a mild effect. The thing I would invite users is, is um, look, uh, you know, obviously I'm biased, but try the product. There's a there's there's a reason that some things are supplements and the other things are prescriptions. In that the amount of pumps that you're going to get, um, and Ben can vouch for them himself as an unbiased source, um, that you get from Tadalafil or Vardenafil is on a whole nother level than you will with anything over the counter. Um, so uh, it's almost like you're, you're taking a little baby steps or baby aspirin, if you will, with the, the, a lot of the -the over-the-counter, um, pre-workouts, if you're taking it for pump purposes. Now, if you're taking it for the caffeine, that's a different thing. Sure. It's going to enhance your energy. And if you need that because you're tired or dragging, go for it. There's no contraindications between taking PD5 inhibitors and caffeine. Um, I don't think there's an issue with, um, L-citrulline. However, um, nitrates you should be a little bit careful about. Um, anything that excessively drops your blood pressure may have a synergistic effect with the PDE5 inhibitors. And you don't want to drop your blood pressure too much, obviously. That's not safe. It's called hypotension or acute hypotension. So you want to do that. But my argument is this, when you're taking a prescription pre-workout, at least for the muscle pumps, you don't need to take anything over the counter um, to make it even better. It is plenty potent. And so again, more is not better. You don't need to stack a million different things. You already are taking two prescription drugs basically with this workout. I would not take anything that is a muscle pump enhancer on top of it. Um, if you needed more, you just, you can increase the dosage from two and a half, two and a half to five, five. Um, I would just say, take a, maybe a simpler pre-workout product that is mostly focused around, you know, uh, caffeine, creatine, uh, beta alanine, kind of all the basics, maybe a little bit of L-citrulline, um, that are just generally beneficial ergogenic aids for enhancing exercise performance. But I, I wouldn't take like a nitrosogene or anything that, m- you know, is kind of in the nitrate like family, um, that may, you know, have a little bit too much. The other thing I would say is like, look, you got to, um, assess your own individual body. People have different reactions. There's lots of dudes who can take 12 different supplements and drugs and they're totally fine and guys who cannot right this is like the ronnie coleman versus jay cutler you know one turned out a lot better in terms of his long-term health um now maybe that's to individual differences in genetics rather than training differences but i would say everyone i think every guy should have a blood pressure cuff at home um just given the ubiquitousness of um not only hypertension but pre-hypertension where you're kind of on your way to having hypertension it's good to monitor um, just like I think everyone should monitor their blood sugar over, at least once a year. But if you have prediabetes, you should monitor a little bit more regularly um, to assess the effect of all of these compounds on your blood pressure. Another example, by the way, is minoxidil. Minoxidil or Rogaine, commonly used obviously for hair growth, uh, is originally a hypertension drug. And increasingly, it's now popular to take it orally um, for hair loss, but it has very mild um, blood pressure lowering effects. The more of these like antihypertensive hypertensive drugs that you start stacking on top of each other, it may cause, uh, you know, blood pressure concerns. So the ultimate test is like measure your own blood pressure. You should know what your baseline is when you're not taking any drugs or supplements, assess what it is. If you are taking a prescription drug and or a supplement, and if you're stacking stuff on top, I would definitely monitor your blood pressure carefully to make sure that you're not getting too much in effect. Um, and obviously subjective symptoms, you're getting, feeling faint, feeling, uh, you know, uh, lightheaded, all those kind of typical, um, you know, uh, hypotensive side effects. You should just be very aware of, but I think, you know, you don't want to engage in what's called too much polypharmacy is the clinical term, which you are taking too many medications and supplements at once. What I do, and I am a supplement junkie, just like you, t- you all just being in the industry is I test things kind of one at a time. I see the effects that it has. If it's not working for me, I take it out of my stack. Right. And so my stack is actually pretty simple. I don't take probably more than, I don't know, uh, a handful of things. Um, at least on the supplement side of things, because I try to keep it pretty simple. And if there are other things that I take, I might t- I'm only taking it for a short period of time to just test it, see the effects, and then take it out of you know my stack.
0: Yeah, agreed. One thing at a time for sure. I, I Ben might have a question here, but I was going to say, and maybe Ben has an answer to this one. Um, are you familiar with bodybuilders using this before getting on stage or anything like that? I'm sure that's a big thing, or maybe it's a banned substance. Other
2: in are an untested federation, this, this is pretty off. off this, I mean, in an untested federation, this is something that people would take like on a regular basis. It's not even like a like a pre workout type. And this is something that people have in their stack because the exogenous hormones they use honestly jack up their blood pressure so much that they need Cialis to bring it back down. And then the the uh, incredible pumps that you get are just a nice little you know cherry on top while you're training. Uh, to be completely frank about it, um, and I think a lot of those people just to piggy off the last discussion. Um, if you're putting Cialis in, like you don't have to spend as much on pump anymore. Like you don't have to worry about grams of citrulline and, and like in that case, most of these people are going to focus on things like literally focus, hydration, like other aspects of fitness and Cialis kind of takes care of that whole category for those types of people. So I, I don't know about taking it like immediately pre most people are kind of worrying more about electrolytes and, uh, water at that time and carbs maybe, but, absolutely tons of bodybuilders using Cialis. Yeah. And my, my familiarity is, is
1: less on stage. Um, but certainly as a pre-workout, I, I think, in fact, I give credit to the bodybuilders. Um, there's not a lot of research literature on this because, you know, it's, uh, enhancement of workouts slash bodybuilding is unfortunately not, um, top priority for scientific research. And so, um, even though I have mixed feelings about so-called bro science, you know, sometimes the bros get it right and they can tell you a lot about, um, you know, the enhancement of their workouts. And so certainly as a essentially an unofficial pre-workout, um, it's been used for at least, uh, I would say, you know, 20 years at this point. Viagra came out in 1998, so it's been on the market for 26 years. Um, i a little bit shorter, but I've at least heard in the last 10 to 20 years bodybuilders, you know, very, very commonly using um, to dalafil vardenafil less so because it just hasn't been available on the market in fact we were the, one of the first companies to make vardenafil um available it's kind of what's kind of a uh i to say obscure drug but it's less commonly used because um it's newer and that's kind of the interesting thing by the way this if you understand sort of the history of drug development usually the first drug comes out it's a blockbuster as, as you know viagra was you got you know um bob dole walking down the beach promoting it you know and erectile dysfunction didn't even exist as a category like people didn't even know there was no term they almost like had to educate the public that hey there's a magical pill that basically enhances um you know erectile function and and now everyone obviously believes it's it's true commercials
0: with bathtubs
1: yeah exactly but what happens is they're like okay this is obviously a hit drug Let's make it better. Let's work on newer versions that are, have lower incidences of side effects. That led to the development of Tadalafil, um, Vardenafil, and even better versions like Staxin, which is sublingual Vardenafil, which is essentially what we use. That, like I said, it increases um, uh, the speed of delivery, reduces side effects, et cetera. So I think basically, as bodybuilders too get clued in on, hey, Tadalafil's sick, but if I really want like a stronger pump, like greater PD5 inhibitor, uh, using a short-acting form like Vardenafil is even better. And I think sort of the top folks that I I won't name names, that but people people that we work with um, find that it's better than Tadalafil alone. There is that synergistic benefit. And it's because, of, like I said, the, the potency of the selectivity of the PD-5 is different. So for instance, two and a half milligrams of Tadalafil with two and a half milligrams of Vardenafil is going to be more effective than five milligrams of Tadalafil because they have unique benefits and there's a unique synergy between the two. So again, you don't want to always overdo it, minimal effective dose, but they they have sort of unique benefits and the bodybuilding community, I think, is catching on. Cam, since
0: we last, uh, this is slightly off topic, but since we last talked, um, Ben sent me a message like, I got to try this. And I was like, well, you know what, since we last recorded the podcast, I don't know if you're in all 50 states or whatever. Can you give us the quick update on Maximus in terms of where you're available at?
1: Yeah. So um, Maximus is, um, we're basically a consumer telemedicine company. You can think about us as basically an online doctor's clinic. Um, So we have board certified physicians who um, work for our our PC organization and um, they're licensed in, um, usually all of our doctors actually licensed in all 50 states. And then we work with FDA inspected pharmacies that will Send the medication directly to your home. They're mail order pharmacies, essentially. I believe we're in about forty six states right now. There's a couple states. I believe it's like Alaska, Alabama, uh, I can't remember the other two that were not. You can just go on our website. You can check. Um, but we're almost nationwide at this point. Um, so yeah, I mean, it is a different, you know, bar of regulation in that, yeah, these are prescription drugs. So you have to be seen by a doctor. It has to be sent by a legitimate pharmacy. But by the way, that's that's a huge benefit. I think this is really important for, your consumers, and I think Pricepile in particular does such a great job of educating your viewership about there's huge differences between supplement com- companies. And this is really important because sub- the supplement industry is incredibly unregulated, essentially. Um, there The quality difference is enormous. And we also know this personally because we create only one supplement. It's a um, basically a prescription-strength multivitamin called Building Blocks. And so we work with Leaf Labs, who you guys actually introduced us to, that has you know great um, you know CGMP compliant, great quality standards. Work with a lot of the top brands, um, but we've worked with other brands, uh, other uh, uh, contract manufacturers that were not so great. And um, it's kind of a wild west in terms of the supplement industry. You there's no guarantee, in fact, that you're getting the active ingredient that you were promised. There's no guarantee that uh, the dosage is correct. In fact, um, some big brands like Now Supplements, Nootropics Depot have called out a lot of their a lot of the manufacturers in that they've went and done you know random testing for melatonin and the dosages are completely off right um and so unless you're using very trusted brands in the supplement industry you don't exactly know what you're getting on the pharmaceutical side though it is so heavily regulated that if and the dosages are so precise right like the two and a half milligrams five milligrams there is a big difference between those two you can't be off by you know, a couple of milligrams and call it a day. Well, with citrulline, because you're taking a three to 5,000 milligram dose, a few milligrams here or there, doesn't make any difference. With prescription drugs, it makes a big difference. Double the dose, you know, you can have, you know, side effects. And so the amount of regulation is huge because literally the FDA inspects each and every one of our pharmacies on a regular basis. They make sure that the sanitation cleanliness uh, is very high. All of the apis of the active pharmaceutical ingredients that are imported have to be imported from fda registered manufacturers so they know where the raw ingredients or supplies coming from they're tested by third-party labs to make sure that they are potent there's no impurities there's no toxicity in terms of heavy metals and so when you get something that is a pharmaceutical drug it is super potent and it is super pure so that's the the main difference i would say between the supplement and the pharmaceutical industry and this is really important because you essentially have confidence that what you're taking is the real deal and that you're not getting toxicity. Great example of this, by the way, is omega threes. So fish oil, obviously great supplement, tons of research on cognitive benefits, um, and just overall health benefits for brain health and otherwise, and lipid lowering effects. So you can obviously buy that over the counter. There's a lot of supplement brands that do, but when they've kind of peeked under the hood, and you can tell this whenever you sniff, um, you know these these fish oil they smell they smell fishy, and it's because they go rancid. They sit on the shelf for long periods of time, and fish oil because it's an omega three, it's an inherently volatile um, polyunsaturated fatty acid. So as a result, you you lose some of the benefits because it's essentially going rancid. In fact, I would argue most of the omega threes that are on the market are essentially rancid. Now, when you get the prescription form. Um, it's omega-3 ethyl ester. The brand name is Lavaza. It's actually used as a lipid lowering drug because it has beneficial effects on your LDL. Um, and I actually take the prescription form. Obviously, I can go buy it anywhere, Costco, any supplement. But when I'm buying the pharmaceutical grade, the, the dosage of the EPA and the DHA is very high. So you know it's very potent um, and it's pharmaceutically pure because it's coming from a pharmacy and you know it's good. And it has a, you know, manufacturer created date, expiration date that's far off. Um, And so it doesn't have the rancidity issues. So I I just bring that up as an example of there's a different quality standard when it comes to pharmaceutical medications just because of the incredible um, regulatory scrutiny that the FDA puts on um, manufacturers and, and pharmacies.
0: Mhm yeah and just to to give you a small snapback it's it's no it's not from our lack of trying or anything obviously what's interesting is when you like on our podcast episode one hundred you learn about the um <clears throat> the, the guidelines and the restrictions on the assault manufacturers actually, you know, they're under the foods, but the, the manufacturing guidelines are taken kind of from the drug manufacturing. The issue that we have is lack of enforcement. There's like, been a lot of things happening. Not a lot of people ending up in jail, not a lot of people getting sued or bankrupted. And so it continues. So it's uh, a, you know, when we go and head head to DC, we joke that we are the only like trade organization that actually wants the laws enforced, you know? So, uh, but I, 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 of course, fully understand what you're saying. We just always, whenever someone says it's unregulated, we got to like be like, oh, the regulations are there. They're just like a lot of times not enforced. It's
1: it's less regulated. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You're you're correct on that. And yeah, yeah, and obviously, look, I love supplements. I take a bunch. Mm -hmm. Um, I I just encourage folks to be be thoughtful and just do your research and making sure that the brand, um, you know, has good quality control processes. I I think this is honestly more of a, it's all the brands, for instance, that you guys promote are generally, you know, good brands because they're, You know uh, american brands you know the owners you know the the factories are here it's the flood of um the chinese brands on amazon that it's particularly concerning right they they whip up designs they they create these brands out of nowhere and you can tell because if you try to google if they have a website it's complete like Mm -hmm. you can tell it was like uh, probably created by ai or something it's not a real company um and they undercut people just based on price um, on Amazon and they, it's like the same ingredient. You're like, well, it's the same ingredients, lower cost. Why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I buy that? It's because it's fake half the time or it's adulterated or or they're misleading. There's like liposomal versions of everything. And it's not <laughs> liposomal at all. They just stick a bunch of fat or you know, yeah. whatever, uh, f- phosphatidyl choline mm-hmm. basically. And they call it liposome. I was like, it hasn't been properly mixed. And, and you know, is it in the micelles? None of that stuff. But nobody cares. Nobody checks. Nobody knows. And so... Yeah, I use supplements all the time. I'm just picky about the brands that I use. I right. you know try to use American brands. There's a legitimate website. You know who the owners are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. I was they, happy they, when you, when you we don't even work with
0: them or anything on official on an official capacity. But when in doubt, like Now Foods, like you know that they're testing all this stuff. They're ones coming after embarrassing Amazon, quite frankly. And uh, yeah. and they, they recently you mentioned uh, I forget what you mentioned, but they've also done berberine and magnesium glycinate. Basically, any yeah. single ingredient expensive product, magnesium glycinate's not that cheap um it's rice flour and the fda is not no one's dying over rice flour so the fda is not doing anything no one's getting hurt but you're not getting magnesium which everyone needs so it's an issue when in doubt just now foods it out is uh Kind of the saying there on that yeah, one, but that's a great one. You know, that's, that's a funny,
1: <laughs> funny thing. My, mo- my mom literally texted me the other day. She's like, "Can you can you buy me some magnesium glycinate? I was like, "Sure, mom." So I go on Amazon, and <laughs> I was and I was a little, you know, I was like, "Ah, uh, my mom doesn't like to swallow these huge like horse pills." And um, you know, you know, magnesium, unless you're um getting in powder form, you have to take a lot in order to get you know two hundred plus milligrams. Mm-hmm. And I saw this one brand, and it was like more potent than any other brand in terms of like you know the amount that you had to take. Um, there's more like elemental magnesium per pill. And I was like, huh, I don't know how they did that because it's like generally 12%. <laughs> right, so I've like, never talking. heard of this brand, so I Google it. The first thing that comes up is a class action lawsuit or something <laughs> because they're like, it's literally impossible to fit this much magnesium in a pill. And so someone sued because they're just like, if you understand chemistry it's impossible. And I was like, okay, well definitely not buy. (laughs) Let me go buy. I probably, I forgot what I buy. I probably bought now or something like that. Um, there's obviously other great brands, you know, thorns design. Thorn is great. Designs for health. Um, we've worked with in the past that I think is great. Um, uh, you know, pure encapsulations. Yeah. um, Some of
0: those companies are too big, too big to not get sued or not want to get sued or anything. Uh, doctor's best, I think has a good magnesium, glycinate stuff like that. Yeah. Cool.
1: Life extension.
0: Uh, Yeah. So, Ben, did you have any other questions? Because I wanted to get back to prostate stuff. If you have any time to cover
2: that at all, um, had no questions. We,
0: we kind of veered yeah. off. Okay, so back to uh, what you're what. Back to the blood flow thing. I'm, so I'd like to know how does this help with with BPH and prostate health? And so, and I know got a lot of people get their PSA levels checked. That seems to be the uh, the the biometric that's used to measure this. I'm not sure. Like, is are there any direct correlations to to any of these types of PDE5 inhibitors reducing PSA itself and is PSA like is that an is that like a bulletproof ind- indicator of actual having prostate issues or, or BPH. Like, so can you connect some of this glue here? I recently had my PSA test and it was like mm-hmm. 0.1. So I'm not worried. It's just a- uh, Fantastic, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So at least that one thing I'm doing is working. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, can you like kind of glue some of this together and how does PDE-5 inhibition work? Because a lot of people listening to this around my age are starting to have to wake up in the middle of the night to pee and no one likes that. So solving it's a nice
1: thing. Yeah, there's, there's usually two classes of medications that are used for the treatment of, of BPH and um, yeah, nocturia, which I believe is the clinical term for nighttime urination. So one class is the PD-5 inhibitors that we're talking about. The other class is the 5-alpha reductase inhibitors. So people are familiar with this in terms of um, finasteride um, or propecia um, or dutasteride, um, which I believe the brand name is Avodart, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so both they work in different ways. So the five alpha reductase inhibitors are typically used for hair, hair loss drugs, right? What they do is they block the conversion of testosterone to DHT or dihydrotestosterone, which is a more potent agonist of the androgen receptor. Now in folks that have, um, enlarged prostate, there's some suggestion that DHT, um, Which metabolizes from testosterone promotes prostate growth. Although I will say this is a debated thing in the research community, but anecdotally, you know, when people take finasteride or dutasteride um, for BPH, they do typically find symptomatic relief in that their prostate volume or size shrinks, um, and so the frequency of the urination, irritation of the prostate, all seem to remit. Now challenge is, in a very small sub-segment of people, like literally, probably, like, I think it's around 1%, if I'm not mistaken, some people do experience side effects, typically called post-finasteride syndrome, and that they get sexual dysfunction. Um, We don't really understand why. Um, There may be something with the effect that it has on androgen receptors, but generally speaking, they are actually a very safe class of drugs. I mean, they've been on the market for decades for people who've been using it for Hair loss, and it also has the benefits of um, improving BPH as well. I actually generally think a lot of guys who are enhancing their testosterone um, should actually consider a 5-alpha reductase inhibitor because not only does testosterone increase, you're increasing your DHT, and when you increase your DHT, if you are already prone to androgenic alopecia, meaning your hair's you know falling out, um, or you're prone to acne. DHT seems to exacerbate pre-existing predispositions to acne and hair loss. So some guys are completely fine; they can take massive amounts of, you know, steroids, and their their hair and skin is great. God bless those folks. I'm not one of those folks. Uh, when my testosterone gets a little too high and DHT gets a little too high, I start breaking out. Even though I'm obviously an adult and don't get acne otherwise, same. And then hair loss starts exacerbating. So. Um, 5-alpha reductase uh, drugs are both great for the hair and the prostate. Now, the PD-5 inhibitors have less side effects than the alpha reductase inhibitors, and they have all the benefits that we talked about previously on this podcast, and that they also seem, through a different mechanism of action, to have uh, effects in terms of controlling sort of the prostate growth and size, and it just alleviates essentially that urinary function. I don't know if it has direct effects on PSA to your question. That's that's an interesting question. I'll have to look up the literature on that. I'm not aware of any literature. Um, Doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Um, But I would say PSA as a marker is also sort of controversial in that it's it's not like I would say like A1C where there's a direct linear correlation where the higher it's going, you know, the more insulin uh, insensitivity that you're experiencing, where you know that you know, if you're starting to creep up, you're developing prediabetes. If you're below above a 5.7, you're developing diabetes. With PSA, um, if it's sky high, then yes, it may be indicative of prostate issues and or prostate cancer. But short of like extreme elevations, it's unclear if, you know, the difference between a 0.1 and a 1 is actually indicative that, you know, there's um dysregulation happening at the prostate. So it can be a little bit of a um red herring or a false, false signal, so to speak, um, in that I think sometimes people see elevations in PSA, they freak out, and it's not necessarily indicative of, of prostate cancer. And you got to be a little careful about this too, because you know if you have to get a prostate biopsy, it's obviously very painful and invasive and can cause sometimes the cure is worse than the condition um, and can mess things up even more, um, which is why even like prostate cancer treatment is controversial um, because it may cure your cancer. But if you're, you know, killing your erectile function as a result of, you know, messing in with, uh, you know, the prostate and doing surgery, you've ruined your quality of life. Um, and the reality is like, if you live long enough, you're living to 80 plus, like one in two men are going to get prostate cancer the good news is that it generally doesn't kill people. It's a very slow growing cancer and you know, you probably will just live with it and you're probably going to die of something else entirely. So, um, sometimes I think the over-focus on testing biomarkers that are not necessarily actionable, um, or you don't necessarily want to act on them. Um, you gotta be a little bit co- uh, cognizant of. So that, that's why, like, I definitely suggest people get their blood sugar tested on a regular basis. Um, Uh, blood pressure and their testosterone, PSA, uh, you know, unless there's a reason to test for it, or you're getting up there in age, um, not as important in my subjective opinion.
0: We appreciate that because you have you have clinical experience, so it's helpful. I guess do you have any anecdotal experience, or have you heard of people on this blood flow protocol getting up to pee less in the middle of the night? Is that possibly yes? It, yeah. That's pretty I mean, cool. We,
1: we know that very clearly from the clinical literature on tadalafil and other PD five inhibitors. It does uh, significantly improve nocturia or, or uh, nighttime urination. Now we don't prescribe it for that purpose, right? We're not. In the business of sort of sick care, where we're treating your prostate issues, I mm-hmm. will I will caveat it. It's a cherry on top or a bonus, so to speak. If you're having significant prostate or urinary issues, you should talk to your primary care physician or go see a urologist because you know you just want to make sure you don't have something else. You don't have a prostate infection, um, sexually transmitted uh, you know infection, or something that's like actually causing an exacerbation. Right. Um, because uh, frequent urination can be cause of uh, other things, including an infection. So you you want to make sure that you're ruling out. An underlying cause, especially if it pops out of nowhere or it's exacerbated all of a sudden. Um, so make sure you're doing your diligence. But yes, if it's just like I'm getting older and I'm going, to, going to you know getting up to pee a little more often, then yeah, it'll probably have that as sort of like an ancillary benefit. Now, the one thing I'll say about PSA, we actually started doing PSA testing interestingly for another one of our protocols, um, which you know we we talked about on another podcast um, for our um, new testosterone protocol. Um, more as a a safety measure. Um, I don't even think, you know, we we were talking to some of our advisors and a lot of them think PSA testing is unnecessary, but it is commonly done with testosterone. Whenever you increase someone's testosterone, people are always concerned about PSA increases. Usually it doesn't increase or it doesn't increase that much to a clinically meaningful degree, but just to be extra safe, um, our new uh, lab testing protocol for the new testosterone protocol does measure PSA before we take a baseline. So we know what your your um, just uh, PSA is uh, before starting the treatment. And then, you know, after 30 days, we retest you to see if your PSA has become significantly elevated. Now, most of the time it doesn't, but like I said, it's a kind of a precautionary thing that we do just to be safe and just practice sort of clinical best practices.
0: Excellent. And just so everyone knows that you do have an updated testosterone protocol that's in the works of coming and everything, we are going to have a second episode of this that we've recorded and probably going to re-record because we like you know, things keep changing and everything. And we have a lot of a lot of good questions on this one, so you'll definitely want to stay tuned to the podcast there. Now, back then, you were I think you were doing like finger prick based blood testing for for PSA and all this stuff. Like, do are you now sending people into LabCorp for that or like no? We have an
1: amazing revolutionary device. It's an actually an FDA approved blood collection device. Um, it's not a finger prick actually. Um, we tested that very early on, but there's, um, two issues with it. Uh, A lot of guys obviously have uh, very thick calloused fingers. And so they're not able to squeeze the blood out. Um, it's painful and annoying. Uh, even if you're not, you know, pain phobic, it's, it's not pleasant to do. My dad's actually type two diabetic as a prick his fingers every day. And I was like, It's good motivation for me to never get diabetes because it's annoying. Um, And then third, um, if it's collected on a dried blood spot um, and then sent in the mail, um, heat and other variables can mess with the results. So there can be reliability issues when it comes to the accuracy of dried blood spot testing. And a lot of, um, unfortunately, other telemedicine companies out there, um, you should be very skeptical if they're measuring their testosterone through a saliva test or a dried blood spot finger prick test. They're notoriously inaccurate. Um, And, you know, I I, I just think it's criminal, to be honest, because it's, you know, how are you treating people if you don't, you're not able to accurately measure the biomarkers that you're trying to change. So what we do with this medical device, it sits on your shoulders, almost looks like a CGM. You press a big red button, usually microneedles. So it's actually virtually painless. And it's getting whole blood. It fills up a tube just like you would when you get a phlebotomy. It's a smaller amount of blood than doing an intravenous straw. But it's way more convenient because, first of all, you can do this in the comfort and convenience of your own home. Second, you don't have to stick a big needle in your arm, which, you know, it's never uncomfortable. I've done it 100 times at this point, but it's not fun. This is, like I said, you barely even feel it because it uses this needle technology. And it extracts about this much blood, maybe like the size of about um, half of your pinky um, into uh, a tube and you just shake it up, uh, seal it, mail it off. It's a uh, prepaid, uh, next day FedEx. And so literally the next day arrives in the lab and typically within a day or two, they're able to analyze the results. So it's very fast. So all in all, two to three days from literally your house to the lab, uh, they have, we can get the results back. Um, and so it's amazing technology and it's really cutting edge. It's only developed in the last, I would say five years um, that you can basically do virtually painless, non-invasive at home testing that is clinically accurate. And like we talked to, you know, the PhD that runs the lab on a regular basis, they're top notch. It's one of the top, um, essentially CLIA certified labs in the country. Um, and they're meticulous about the accuracy and, you know, we've done, um, they've done validation testing, essentially comparing it to Quest and LabCorp, which you alluded to, which are the two big players in the space. Um, you know, and the accuracy is like 99% plus in terms of the um, you know, correlation between at-home testing because it's whole blood, right? And so it doesn't really matter measuring whole blood through the this part of the arm or this part of the arm. Blood is whole blood is whole blood, um, and it uses the same SST tubes, EDTA tubes. These are sort of the reagents that are used to collect blood. Um, the only difference I would say between what we do in terms of at-home testing versus a and lab core is just because of the volume of blood, we can only measure so many markers. We measure about a dozen markers. So, for out of curiosity, for people who are you know, I'm just curious about some of our pr- other protocols. In the testosterone protocol, we measure total testosterone. We measure SHBG. We calculate free testosterone on the basis of those markers, which is the most clinically relevant. I always say free T is more important than total T. We measure LH, which is an indicative of your body's um, uh, ability to produce its own testosterone. The cool thing about inclamiphene, the drug that we use, is it, uh, unlike TRT, it stimulates your testes to produce more of its own natural testosterone, so LH is maintained. And also FSH, follicle-stimulating hormone, Stimulates the testes to produce sperm, which is also maintained or increases, so it maintains your fertility, which is a huge advantage over traditional injectable TRT. So we look at LHFSH, um, we measure estradiol or estrogen, um, and with the new protocol, as I mentioned, we mentioned, we measure PSA, we measure hermetocrit just to be safe, even though it doesn't significantly increase hermetocrit um and with the weight loss protocol we all, also measure A1C or which is a proxy for your blood sugar levels so we also do the GLP-1 agonists a lot of people have heard of semaglutide or tirzepatide um or azempic uh, obviously the hot weight, weight loss drugs those also require blood testing and monitoring so on a per protocol basis we measure different markers with the blood flow protocol which is what we're here for today there's no blood testing that's necessary um you just have to make sure you know, when you go through the flow, you report your medical history. Um, and that, um, you know, for most people who are relatively healthy, um, it's fine. There are particular contraindications. There's some people who can't take PDE5 inhibitors, but we'll figure that out. That's obviously up to the doctor's discretion to d- decide. Uh, but there's no lab, there's no blood testing or lab testing that's needed for blood flow. It's only for testosterone and weight loss, uh, because those are a little bit more involved and they need a little bit more monitoring.
0: Right, and the next episode we'll definitely get into that. and Everything. If I could play doctor for just a minute, I think the one thing I would add to that list would be zinc serum zinc because if that's mm-hmm. low, that might be slowing things down. I know you, you you've gone into some of that stuff too, though, and maybe you just have to assume that a lot of people following you are supplementing, eating meat. You know, like I don't know, you can't do it yeah. all for them.
1: No, it's a, it's a great point. And I, I, actually, the one marker that I forgot to mention that we're adding to the panel is vitamin D, which mm-hmm. is absolutely okay. critical. The interesting literature on vitamin D. Um, I actually think vitamin D is probably one of the most important um, things you can supplement um, just because no one is outside in the sun enough. I live in LA. It's like sunny here. I literally live like uh, on the beach. And so I thought I'm like, Oh, I should be good. Um, Cause I'm nice and tan. Um, I did an experiment where I stopped supplementing vitamin D. My levels dropped to 29 nanograms per deciliter. 30 is actually the cutoff for deficiency. So I was literally vitamin D deficient, even though I have good melanin and sunlight. Uh, which blew me away because I was just like, wow, I didn't think it mattered that much. It's just we stay inside too much all day. And we did a study here in LA, 66% of people were actually vitamin D deficient and 100% were suboptimal. I would argue optimal is like 50 plus, 45 to 50 plus in terms of nanograms per deciliter um, because it shows it has the uh, you know a significant reduction in, for instance, like COVID severity and other markers of uh, immune function essentially. So I argue pretty much everyone should be supplementing vitamin D um, along with vitamin K2 to make sure it's going to the right places and other cofactors that enhance absorption, the other lipid-soluble vitamins as well. To your point, um, so vitamin D will not increase testosterone on its own, but if you're deficient in it, it is one of the precursors. um, So it can help uh, if if that is an underlying cause, addressing your vitamin D deficiency can help increased testosterone, just as addressing zinc deficiency to your point, zinc and copper deficiency, they usually take those two together can improve testosterone as well. So what we do with our building blocks, um, we have zinc and copper basically in there. And so if you take the multivitamin, it, there's basically no way you're going to be zinc deficient. And so it kind of takes care of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool, so, so I think we're about at the hour that you wanted to be at. I'm I'm not sure if Ben has anything else, but like as I as I look at the blood flow protocol page and everything, like basically like you you have these uh, this array of benefits that's starting to add up. You have you know, like the, the workout pumps, meaning you could like actually save money on pre workout and almost just switch to coffee or energy drink if you really wanted to. Not that right. we're endorsing that because we love our citrulline and everything, but um, <laughs> but that can come with obviously the better sex, the focus, and then also the reduced uh, peeing at night. Like that alone, I. Think Think for a lot of people is going to be awesome because it was it was starting to get annoying for me before I, I like fixed all that and everything so um I think like all these things all together make it like a very worthwhile investment on top of just like people are very happy to just get that pump in the gym
1: for sure yeah and look uh, i invite people to try it out the nice thing about you know this class of medications it's relatively safe um, obviously if the doctor approves um, so try it out. I would say try it out for thirty days. uh, You know, give it a, a nice run where you're taking it daily, as I mentioned, to enhance your workouts and your recovery. Um, And you know, the proof is in the pudding. I think you'll be very satisfied.
2: Uh, on our way out awesome. here, so doctor, sorry. Oh, uh, one like, for- kind of like last question when I think about this stuff. Usually towards the end of these, I start talking about how I want to try these things, and Mike is kind of always on the other side of like I don't want to add things in if I don't need them. Like Mike's obviously a healthy guy and is at his age and doesn't need anything. Is, I know the answer to this question, but I'm trying to spark this question so that we can make sure people hear this. Is there any concern with taking this about our bodies not creating the things that, you know, are involved in these pathways? If I take Cialis... Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, people people are definitely Um, concerned about that. Yeah, I mean, it's different. I mean, I think people
1: get that notion from injectable testosterone replacement therapy, right? When you replace your own testosterone, your body stops making it um, because of the the shutdown of the HPA axis, the HPG axis. Um, In this case, um, that's not true. It's the inhibition of a particular... Enzyme right, which is PD five, PD eleven, as we talked about. um, There doesn't seem to be a lot of tolerance or dependence with this class of medications. Um, Obviously, lots of people take it as needed, but even the folks who take it daily, um, I've discontinued taking it. Um, Yeah, there's no like rebound effects, so I don't think there's any particular you know effects. We we wouldn't sell anything essentially that has addictive um, tendencies or creates any sort of dependence. I just think clinically and ethically, it's not great. It's why we don't do injectable TRT. It's why we don't do Adderall and other things. Um, you know, especially because we're, you know, working online, it's, it's a, you know, a little bit, there's a little bit more caution, I think that we need to exercise. So in the relative scheme of things, like I said, all medications have side effects, the side effect profiles of this, uh, in comparison to other medications are relatively better, but obviously it's up to you and your doctor to make that decision for yourself.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks so much. So, Doctor Cam, where to find you? And let's talk about the uh, the Maximus tribe. On you're you're big on Discord and everything. Uh, I think that's yeah. your main community area. So, give us the download on how to follow you and follow, and join your crew.
1: For sure, go to our website. Um, the company's Maximus. We call our community community the Maximus tribe. So you can find us at MaximusTribe.com. That's our website, um, and then you can find me on all the socials. It's Doctor Cam Maximus. I'm pretty active on uh, Instagram, a troll on Twitter. Um, So feel free (laughs) to ask any questions uh, and I'm happy to answer them. We need to have a fun podcast
0: where we just make fun of soy fluencers as you, as you call them. Um, Oh yeah, we we can
1: definitely do that. Unfortunately, there's so many health influencers with, uh, you know, MDs and PhDs like myself um, who put out bad science. And I I think it's really important for people to to not just trust including myself, um, you know, people just because they're a med school professor. I mean, sure it helps in terms of credit credibility, but you got to read the primary research for yourself. And especially, I think a lot of push people who are making a lot of money off of their podcasts do not always have their best interests of, you know, yourself in mind. So I would say, uh, you know, uh, be, be help, be a, be a scientist, be be healthy, skeptical.
0: Okay. So in the next episode, when when we have you back, we are going to be talking about the testosterone protocol. And then we will have after that, a, an episode dedicated to ball sunning.
1: All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I might skip the last episode, but I'm very much looking forward to talking about the revolutionary testosterone protocol. It is actually a game changer. Um, we were able to achieve something that nobody scientifically believed was possible. Um, and I'll basically tell you that there's a very safe and effective way of increasing your testosterone in a way that nobody thought was possible Um, and very excited to share that with you and your community. Can't wait. Awesome. Awesome guys. Thank you.
0: All right. Thank you.